This is Real Talk Real Talk Radio This is Real Talk High Praise Ministries presents Real Talk Real Talk This is Real Talk Real Talk Radio This is Real Talk High Praise Ministries presents Real Talk Real Talk <laughs> oh, I wish I could have been here just like moments before I hit record. <laughs> Welcome to yet another edition of High Praise Ministries Presents Real Talk. As always, I am your host back in the saddle, Pastor Jesse Jones. Jesse Jones, whatever, you know. I think the first time on the entire podcast I'm calling myself pastor. This is gonna be interesting for Whoa. for the bit to be the first time I call right. myself a pastor Nothing for this version. Was about to happen. At all, at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. We want to welcome you to High Praise Ministries presents Real Talk. As always, I want to give a good shout out to my boy Mike Gibbs. He is the mastermind behind the beats for the for the Real Talk intro. I also want to give a shout out to my boy Rashawn Trust. He is the vocalist who came, who was inspired by the beat to come up with the jingle for Real Talk. Want to give a shout out to my boy, my boy Russell Worthy. He is the graphics designer for High Praise Ministries, all things High Praise Ministries. He even designed our logo. Shout out to those three gentlemen. And if you're wondering why I continually give shout out to them each and every week, one, because I never want them to think I take it for granted. Two, because these are people that wherever I go, whenever I get blown up or whatever, I'm taking them with me. And three, because you may need some of the same things done and don't know how to get it done. And these are three people that you can reach out to that are that would help you out for a reasonable price. Because the Bible, since I'm going to be pastor today, the Bible says a laborman is worthy of his hire. Somebody you're not able to get a hold to, though, is my wife. She is the queen. She's our executive producer and our co-host. Although she may get fired from being executive producer, y'all. Y'all don't even understand. It happened to Moses. It happened to Moses. <laughs> she is the queen. Say hi to people, baby. Hi, family. All right, all right. I have already, normally I come up with the title like afterwards, after I hear how uh the the conversation go is going to go for the episode but today i've already got my to- i already already got my theme topic or the theme for this podcast episode and i'm going to call this the realist talk so hot praise ministries presents real talk episode the realist talk so let me forewarn you all right now, I did this, I think, the very first episode, and I'm going to come full circle, and I'm going to do it again in case y'all forgot. I don't really care what you think. I'm going to say what needs to be said. I'm going to say how I feel. My wife is going to say how she feels. We're going to have a discussion about it, and that's how this is going to go. Feel how you feel, but I really don't care. You want you not wanting to hear it. You thinking I've said something too far out there, too controversial, whatever, too real, too raw for your taste. It don't bother me. First of all, you can't cancel me because I ain't got no platform. And if I ever did have a real platform or some real money or some real clout, 
oh my God, you sure not couldn't cancel me then because I really wouldn't care. I just don't. I'm in a place in the space of my life where I'm comfortable with who I am, comfortable with the things and the ideas that come through my skull, and I'm comfortable enough expressing most of them. And it's not like I'm faceless. It's not like you can't go on my Facebook page. It's not like you can't go to High Praise Ministries page. It's not like you can't come to Atlanta, Georgia and see me at High Praise Ministries Next Level Service every Saturday at 1 p.m., 3466 Holcomb Bridge Road in Norcross, Georgia. I'm very accessible. So it's not like I hide. I just say what it is that I believe. So I want to warn y'all ahead of time. I'm going to say some stuff some of y'all probably ain't going to like. Christians and non-Christians alike. Just know I don't care. Go ahead and cry. I don't care. Who gonna check me, boo? Who gonna check me? Oh, sorry. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, for those of y'all who couldn't hear that mouse that just talked, that was my wife saying, who gonna check me, boo? I can't say things like that because that's just not my nature. But she said it, not me. But the sentiment is very much so in my mind. You don't like it, just you just ain't gonna like it. Clutch your imaginary pearls right now. Just go ahead and hold on to them tight. Get your gasps and your, oh my God's ready. Get your pitchforks out. Light them up. Get ready to start the mob because we start the show right now. And here we go. We're going to start with this. I'm going to start off nice and light just a little bit. Get my little pass on. Ease y'all into this. Y'all ready? Okay. So, thought about this whole Popeye's chicken versus church's chicken. I mean, versus uh, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, whatever. This this whole chicken sandwich kind of rivalry thing going on. The and, battle of the chicken sandwich. And now that Popeye's has been defeated only no, because no, of its... No. no, no, it's been defeated. Popeye's selling chicken sandwich right now? No, it's because they ran out. They yeah, that means they was defeated. No, they wasn't. No, no, that's defeated. Well, I'm going to prove my point. Here we go. I'm going to prove my point with this. Sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, when you get ready to step into your blessing, you got to be ready. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to start off with the question with, are you ready to receive what you've been asking for? So here's the, here's the reality of it. It's how I parallel it, and I'm going to go churchy for just a second in this. So here is Chick-fil-A. They've been doing what they've been doing for however long they've been doing it for. You ain't going to pay no attention to me while we doing this podcast. I'm going to be all up on I wish y'all could see. I wish, uh, it's time for these. I wish I was, doing, I was doing this video, although I'm not. But I wish I was doing this video sometimes so y'all could see what's going on here. She's just looking dead at her phone, I'm, making facial expressions at her phone you, while I'm trying to get this point across. Lost the, almost lost a leg. No, what they got to do with this podcast and, and Chick-fil-A and, 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 okay. and, and, and Popeyes? On, <laughs> I was going to make a joke, listen, but I'm not. Her, her leg is still going to be gone when we're done. <laughs> I know y'all Y'all like oh my god Jesse what is wrong with you I, I told y'all ahead of time I warned y'all So anyway like So Sometimes we ask for things We ask God for things But we never prepare ourselves to get them mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A was at the top Doing what they do Here come Popeyes I'm going to take that spot I want to take Chick-fil-A out. The real reason they came for they came with that chicken sandwich was because they wanted that spot. They did not. What? not the idea behind the chicken sandwich. Why wasn't it? Who else was doing chicken sandwiches that's known for doing chicken McDonald's. sandwiches? It's not known for chicken it sandwiches. Is. They're known for the Big Mac. It is, it is, it, They're known for the Big Mac. It is that Thursday before you get paid, I ain't got nothing else to do. 
But get this chicken sandwich from the mm, Ain't nobody trying to have no toilet burger really? like Stop from McDonald's. Ain't, ain't nobody. And, and for the record, I don't even like chicken sandwiches. Like the, I so like I can the talk McDonald's about chicken sandwich. You and like six other white people, and that's about it. Stop. Don't it. nobody else. Black, white fo- black folks don't like them. White yes. folks don't like them. Nobody really likes to, wants to eat them willingly. Mm-hmm. Chick fil A is at the top. And they did it because they knew that they was at the top. And they want they wanted to make it so that they could take that mm. top spot. Wow. There's no sense in doing it if you don't want that top spot. Ain't nobody thinking about McDonald's McChicken sandwich. How about they just want to produce McChicken? a chicken sandwich? Nah. Nah, G. Nah. Nah. They want that top spot. They was going for it. So, so they go for it. And they get it. But the problem is, they were not ready for what was coming their way. They underprepared for the blessing that they were supposed to have. Had they prepared for their stuff, they could have stretched this blessing out for a long time. The reality is, though this was always supposed to be limited time, This was way limited more than what they had originally planned. Because had it not, they'd have just gone away. There'd have been no public announcement. When the McRib goes away, they don't tell you it's going away. It's just one day you go, I want a McRib. I'm sorry, we're no longer selling those. What? No, there's this big public announcement, this big Twitter thing and everything. Hey, look, we ran out of chicken sandwiches. We ran out of buns, ran out of chicken. All we're left with is our crummy customer service. All we're left with is our greasy chicken y'all been used to that's only good half the time. All we're left with is our crummy sides that taste like toe meat. All we're left with is the stuff that you didn't want when you first came here. Is all we got left because they didn't prepare. They didn't have their stuff together. They didn't have the thing that they needed in order to sustain what they wanted. How much of our lives on a daily basis are like that? Where if God really, saved or unsaved, gave us what we want, would it be gone like Popeye's chicken sandwiches? Or would we be able to sustain like Chick-fil-A? And again, I say, I hate chicken sandwiches. So I could care less about the Popeye's chicken, Popeye's chicken, Chick-fil-A sandwich rivalry. I hate them. Chicken sandwiches are disgusting to me. It's an abomination. It should never be done. But... Chick-fil-A has been a sustaining force with it. The entirety of its existence. And by all accounts, by people who eat that crap, they've done it pretty well. Popeye's comes with the flash. They come with the glamour. They come with the groundswell because they didn't even do it through normal means. It wasn't commercials added. It was, I, I heard a question asked uh, 
yesterday or the day before, I can't remember who, where it was or what podcast I was listening to. I wonder who's the first person who tweeted out about this chicken sandwich. That And they had enough trust from people who knew this person to rush out and try it too and start tweeting about it, that, that this became this mass phenomenon. I wonder who did it. And I wonder if they got paid. But most of us wonder who did it. Because that one person sparked this million dollar campaign that Popeye's never really had to pay for. Like 2.5 million or something like that in, 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 in social media free advertisement. When you connect with that right one person, it can change everything about your life. But would you be ready for it? It's going to sit there and look at me. Mm-hmm. Got nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think for your example that you're trying to go for, I completely understand it. <laughs> that was not Popeye's intention. Papa, okay, think of it like this. Go for it. So, I am a shoe fan. Mm-hmm. We okay. all know I'm a shoe fan. I have one of my most expensive pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Really don't have the value of what they meant at the time. Mm-hmm. But I could consign them for a lot more money because they were limited edition. I own a pair of, of handcrafted coach pumps. Okay. That I cannot wear because they are two-hour shoes. I got about two hours of looking cute before I fall down on the ground. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. Handcrafted. Wonderful. I caught them exclusively last pair in the back. Just happened to know the guy who knew a guy who worked in the uh, shoe department at Marshall Fields. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago I had these shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for all my Chicago people. Uh, but these shoes were in, in, in limited production. And they were only meant to be limited. Um, and I want to say that Popeyes kind of did this in the intention of just testing it out. It wasn't meant to be a long time. They weren't coming for Chick-fil-A. This was a seasonal thing because you know what you know what you want during the summertime? Portable food. And chicken wings and chicken mm-hmm. tenders and drumsticks and all of that ain't as portable as a chicken sandwich. Let's see what's and they've been doing a chicken. And, and actually, Popeyes, this ain't the first time Popeyes has came out with this chicken sandwich. Now, this chicken sandwich, they've come out with A, but they didn't come out with one like this. And let's see if we say uh, for the sake of argument. Actually, they did. Let's see if we say for the sake of argument that they weren't coming for. Mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see if we say for the sake of Like, argument. this was never meant to be a competition. Oh, I knew it was supposed to be limited edition. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not my point of contention. But let's even agree for the. Let's even say I agree with you that they were not coming for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can still step into your blessing, but you're not ready for it. The point still still is valid. Point still remains because you have to know that this limited edition mm-hmm. was supposed to be longer. This campaign was supposed to be longer than what it lasted. Mm-hmm. Because they did not anticipate, in other words, they did not prepare for the the uh, the reception mm-hmm. of what it was they had. Mm-hmm. 
because they didn't know they connected with the right person and or persons mm-hmm. that had the right that had the right voice to say, "Hey, no, forget that. Come here." Mm-hmm. They had prepared for none of that. Mm-hmm. They made tons of money, mm-hmm. but can you imagine had they prepared for the entire campaign, how much money they would be made that would be made? Furthermore, the other side of that point, which is something I had written down, is also when you lose your blessing. Sometimes your downfall can also cause a loss of credibility and integrity. The next time they come back with this campaign, it's not going to have this reception. Even if the sandwiches are just as good. Because people don't trust it now. Mm-hmm. Because the average person wasn't paying attention to the fact that Popeyes made sure that was saying that this was limited. They didn't hide the fact that this was supposed to be a, a limited time campaign. It's the only reason I knew it was a limited time campaign. Because, again, I hate chicken sandwiches. Popeyes never hid that fact. Mm-hmm. Most people never paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. Garnered by the fact that stupid people are trying to sue them for some money because they're saying that we helped you make this money, which I think is dumb and ridiculous. And I don't even want to dignify their idiocy with, with any more airtime than that than just mention the fact that Somebody decided they're going to, a group of people decided they're trying to sue Popeye for this because. Oh, whoa, what, about got, the, what about the gun pulling, the gun incident? The what? The gun incident. What gun incident? The news, according to USA Today, 13 hours ago, uh, customer pulls gun on Popeye's employees over chicken. You can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. I got no words for that kind of idiocy. Uh, but as a whole, people aren't going to trust When they come back out, if they come back out with this next year, people ain't really going to trust it. Uh, the only reason that this thing was ever popular is because it went viral in the first place. This is Let me just be honest. Yes. Chicken, Popeye's chicken ain't, look, and I've had some personal horrible experiences with Popeye's in the first place. <laughs> yes, yes. We have had more than one emergency room trip due to the fact of eating Popeye's. So no, no, now we. I said I have. <laughs> I have had more than one experience with um, getting some bad food from Popeye's. Um, and so for me, wasn't I, I wasn't really fit a chance that it wasn't that, it wasn't that serious for a chicken sandwich. I did have go back and have a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And then I ate it and I realized, yeah, it's spicy chicken is spicy for no, like, no reason. Like, no reasonable reason. <laughs> like, and I understand that they're all Christian and stuff. And what Christian got to that being spicy? And, and, and they, but that, that's, that chicken is straight from its father. <laughs> <laughs> that, that chicken sandwich is spicy and it is straight from its father. And I, I, I've ate that sandwich on more than one occasion. And I, I don't know why I keep forgetting that sandwich is so dang hot. It, it is straight oh, from his father. That's where that Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich comes. That spicy one. She caught that up last his father the devil. I think it was last weekend she had that. Oh, that's hilarious. Never. Y'all should have seen her. And She's nah, sitting up. Her... <laughs> I'm tearing up. My eyes watering. 
I am. I'm still eating it. I can't really feel my lips and my tongue for like the next half an hour. Meanwhile, I'm just enjoying my little chicken fingers and calling it a day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, but I mean, to be honest with you, it's like there's this one pair of Jordans, the design that has came out like at least three times within my lifetime. The same exact style of Jordans. Mm-hmm. And only sneaker freaks can tell these shoes apart because I swear it's the same design that came out mm-hmm. when I was in elementary school when Jordans first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. And I know they've been reproduced at least three times since then. Mm-hmm. And people buy it and they make a big deal out of it and the social media hypes it up and and they make tons of money off of it. The same thing with these chicken sandwiches. Like this is this is something that is just it 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 wasn't I don't blame Popeye's not one bit. I I blame their lack of preparedness, but I don't blame them for for capitalizing on it. I don't blame them for being gone. I just, I blame them for the lack of preparation of it. Mm-hmm. But I disagree that it's like the Jordans. But what if what if it had got around? So what in the case of so they they tested something out because really limited time things are meant to test products. Yes. When restaurants do limited time dishes, it really is meant to test it. And that's why they only release they they release certain products when they're in test market and certain I'm sorry when they're in test phase and um, you know research and development phase they only test them in certain markets and they only make so yes. many because Popeyes is not known for their chicken sandwich this ain't mm-hmm. the first time Popeyes has had a chicken sandwich and I am four years old and I know that this is not the first time <laughs> I understand no, I, again I didn't say it was the first time but I'm saying it is the first time for no for this is the first like time this. that social media has done mm. what social media I know does I people taste the horrible chicken sandwiches and they've even said this, this, is, this is a different chicken that they sandwich. finally did something different with the recipe they, they, did, they did a bunch of things different with the recipe okay. including so the chick- spicy mayo okay but um, it's it's the difference between a restaurant's limited edition. There's mm. Jordans. I'll even go as far as a Shamrock Shake and a McRib, mm. and this and this chicken sandwich from Popeyes is mm. those things that were previously mentioned. Mm. People go in knowing this is limited edition. They come out with a bang, like, "Hey, this is this ain't gonna be here long." As a matter of fact, the uh, uh, the campaign starts just before the McRibs come out. Hey, guess what? The McRib is coming back soon. Get it before it's gone. When a restaurant's testing out food in its test market and doing a limited edition, they they're they're not going by the model of while supplies last. Mm-hmm. They're going by a model of this is how long we're going to do this campaign. Mm-hmm. And so, if they ever run out, they reorder mm-hmm. and they they have themselves in a mold that just in case. This goes better than what we thought. Mm. We want to keep it for this length of time regardless. Popeyes didn't prepare for that. Popeyes said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a thousand chicken sandwiches. And we just going to have a thousand chicken sandwiches. We want this thousand chicken sandwiches to last us from May to September. Mm-hmm. But a thousand chicken sandwiches ain't going to last you from May to September. The amount of chicken sandwiches that they had, whatever that number is, mm-hmm. was not going to last in the entire time of their campaign. That what was going to happen is right near the end of the campaign, it was going to start to dwindle down. Mm-hmm. And they and that way they could just skirt off into the sunset and nobody noticed the difference. Mm-hmm. But when you see 
your product, your, your whatever it is that you have, you see it starting to take a turn, your job as somebody who's preparing themselves mm. for the thing that's supposed to be coming mm. should be to say, okay, wait a second now. It's catching on a little bit long, a little bit better than what we thought. If we want to last this to, to the end of our campaign, mm. we need to start making preparations now. I don't blame them on the front end necessarily, mm. but at some point within the first three weeks of this thing, you got to see a trend so, that says, this is blowing up. We got to do something about this. Okay. And they never did. But what if they, and, and this is what's really going to happen. So they making all this fuss about it, right? Mm-hmm. And the only reason they announced it is because people are doing foolish stuff like the group of stupid people in mm-hmm. Houston who pull guns at a Popeye's over a chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, guess what race that was? <laughs> of course. Yeah, we ain't gonna talk about that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. and so they doing that because it is trending and it's trending and mm-hmm. they can get social media cred on it. And these are the kind of people who are making a big deal about this chicken sandwich and and, and blowing it up to be what it is. What's going to happen is so they're in production of they got to go back to the drawing board and try to cre- recreate the same recipe that was something that was meant to be limited in the first place. Mm-hmm. And they trying to they're gonna mass produce them and spit them out. And then guess what's going to happen? People are not going to care because they will move on to somebody else. But that, but that was the point of my of my second point of you've now lost your integrity. Mm-hmm. You've I don't lost... think it lost their integrity. Oh yeah, no, because people, people are fickle. No, but so here, so what I what I mean by they've lost, well, no, I mean I mean precisely that they they've lost their integrity in that they're you'll come back out with it now, mm-hmm. and now I will think one of two things. Immediately the next time this chicken sandwich come out, people are gonna have one of the same one of two thoughts: either it's not gonna be as good because you've messed something up, or I'm not waiting in them long behind lines like there were last time mm. for these doggone sandwiches to, just to not get one. They've they, they've lost an opportunity that they may never get back. When the shamrock shake comes out. Mm. People love the freaking shamrock shake. Mm. I think it's disgusting, but people love that freaking thing. I do enjoy a good shamrock shake. I know you do. Up That's one of the reasons I use it. You go to get. one of those special <laughs> McDonald's. They, they, I good. actually have a photo of If you ever go back to my Facebook, you'll see the picture of it, the whole incident with me and my last shamrock shake. The green shamrock ain't really no green. The green that's in there ain't really no shamrock, i tell you that. <laughs> but... What, what the Shamrock Shake does its thing and it comes out for its limited time during St. Patrick's Day, the same kind of buzz and craze is there, but McDonald's has had the has a trustworthiness about their product mm-hmm. that people are like, oh, the Shamrock Shake is coming? Okay, cool. What's the one thing everybody knows about McDonald's? Their shake machine, the ice cream machine is always broken. Always broken. It is inevitable. I don't care how rich of a town you live in. It could be in the That machine is broken. Still broken. But come share my shake time. Road in Columbus, Ohio. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> somebody calling. Somebody still has a little bitter while we're here in Atlanta, Georgia, calling out Columbus, Ohio. But no matter how often those things are broke, come share my shake time. People still go mm-hmm. because there's something about the trustworthiness that McDonald's has built up that says, "Hey." We have this thing limited edition. 
we're going to work our best mm. to make sure you can get this. Mm. Even though everybody knows when you pull up, there's a 90% chance that machine is broke. When you, with the thing that was said about, about Popeye's, when, this, when these chicken sandwiches were done, mm. everybody was like, oh my God, all I'm left with is a crappy customer service, they're disgusting stores, and there's a horrible product. Mm. This is what was said. Mm-hmm. You've lost your integrity. You, you, you've lost the thing that makes me want to come and endure this other stuff. And now you'll never get me back. Because nothing seemed to improve. Mm-hmm. There was no, there, there appeared to be. No, and I know it was but that much time that, that it was there and gone. Mm-hmm. But for the, for the average person, there didn't seem to be anything going that was looking to improve. But they've lost they're integrity. And sometimes when you fall, sometimes when you don't prepare yourself for whatever it is you're asking yourself for, when it comes mm. and you mishandle it, you'll never be trusted with it again. So I, I want to use this as an opportunity simply to say, hey, whatever it is you think you're asking for, get yourself ready for it. Try preparing yourself for it. So that if it comes, when it comes, you are better equipped to handle it when it gets here, whatever it is. Don't allow yourself to be a Popeye's chicken. That's all I'm saying. Now, one last point on that, and I'm going to leave it alone. Which is, and I threw this in for kicks and giggles just for me because I thought about this, this, uh, this, this video I saw on Facebook. Mm where this dude is a uh, shout out to uh, Ebony Sizemore out in, San, out in Sandusky, Ohio. It was on her Facebook page. I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this dude singing sorry to Chick-fil-A <laughs> because he had left Chick-fil-A. He was doing it a gospel song. It was hilarious. Wow. Um, because he had left Chick-fil-A for Popeyes and he was repenting to Chick-fil-A oh, for having Lord. left. And so I thought about that. I was like, you know what? Don't be so ready to leave what's been what's been there for you because something new has come along. Because that new thing may not last. And a lot of times, a lot of situations, most people are immediately going to jump to relationships and point it that way. But I don't even just mean relationships. I mean just think over the course of your life. Things come and things go. There are not a whole lot of things that stay, that are consistent. Don't be so ready to jump ship from the consistency of life because something new with some new zest and zeal and uh, the shock to your system comes along. Because the truth of the matter is that thing that's now consistent in your life at one time, was that zesty new thing. It just stayed with you and stayed with you and stayed with you. And now you're comfortable. Don't be so quick. Christians do it with churches. People do it with relationships. Apparently we do it with food. We do it with jobs, cars, whatever the case may be. Sometimes you have to stop and take a good inventory of what you got. 
a good inventory of what's around you and say, you know what? This is good. I don't need that new thing. Or at the very least, make it prove itself. We let friends come into our lives without proof. I heard this from, from one, of my, one of my Jamaican associates way back in college. Mm-hmm. Like I was in Hawking College and big, tall Jamaican chick. She was a model. Her friend was a model. Uh, me and about six other people, we, all, we, were, we were all in the same dorm. We used to all eat lunch together. Mm-hmm. And the one uh, uh, Jamaican model, she didn't show up for lunch. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who was the comedian. She loved to make us laugh. So immediately I looked uh, looked at the other ones like, where's your friend at? And she said, who? I said, your friend, your roommate, y'all be y'all be everywhere together. She said, that's not my friend. Something happened, y'all y'all get into a fight. What's going on? She said, no, no, we're good. She's just not my friend. She's never been my friend. We're not like you Americans. We don't throw the word friend around so frivolously. Mm-hmm. I said, but y'all are everywhere together. Y'all in the same class together. Y'all room together. We always are here to lunch together. It's rare we see one of y'all without the other. She was like, that doesn't make her my friend. We just know each other. We hang out. We have some like interests, but we're not friends. Mm-hmm. And that changed and altered my perspective because I thought about how quick people are to say friend. How quick people are to say, I love you. Uh, how quick people are to say, you're look, my brother, my sister. That's a whole nother real talk. <laughs> what about your friends? <laughs> but we never really make them prove themselves. And I don't mean necessarily putting them through tests or whatever, but yeah, put them through some tests too. But watch them. Watch the consistency in their life because what you can wind up messing up and doing mm-hmm. is forsaking somebody who's been consistent in your life or something that's been consistent in your life for something new that's not going to last. Mm-hmm. For all of y'all that was, and, I, and it's not like Chick-fil-A's getting offended, but for all of y'all who was talking trash on Chick-fil-A's nasty chicken sandwich and how, how, how Popeye's had dethroned and we got a new chicken sandwich king and da-da-da-da-da, and Chick-fil-A took it, imagine Chick-fil-A was a person. And now you come back to Chick-fil-A and they was like, no, weren't you the one who was posting on social media about how Popeye's chicken sandwich is better? How about you go to Popeye's and get that chicken sandwich? Oh, that's right, you can't. But you can't get it here either because you are untrustworthy. You have now become disloyal. And for all the talk that people say they want loyalty, and I know this is a long way to go for for a statement when we're dealing with food and chicken sandwiches and whatnot, but it's true nonetheless. For all this talk, we say we want about loyalty. We want, we want real. We want that. We want that one. That ride or die. Man, we jump off the bandwagon. Like when I heard people talking about how good Popeye's chicken was and Popeye's was better than, than Chick Fil A. Okay, cool. That's an opinion. No problem. But then people took it to extremes. Like man, Chick Fil A is bland. It's, it's just, it's. Just, I don't even know what I was thinking. I never knew. What a chicken sandwich could be like until I tasted Popeyes. What was I thinking eating Chick Fil A all this time? Really? I can only imagine how you deal with the people in your life, mm-hmm. the situations in your life, the jobs in your life, the opportunities in your life. I can only imagine how you do. So I would just simply say this, and we get ready to head to a break. Unless you got something else you mm-hmm. want to say, don't be so ready to jump to what's new. In anything, take your time. 
You don't have to be the first one there. Let what comes prove that it will be that which stays. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with something different. All right, all right, and we're back. Okay, so here's our second segment for today. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know the depth of it like I would like to, like I normally like to before I get into a discussion about anything. But where I want to kind of take this and ask the questions about this and discuss about this, I feel like I am intelligent enough to be able to have this conversation. Um, so Jay-Z and this NFL deal that has black folks, especially in the hip hop community and in the NFL sports community, losing their minds one way or another. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, essentially, uh, Jay-Z has made a deal with the NFL, who apparently to black folks is the devil. Um, and he's partnering with them that he can be, he basically has control over all of the entertainment in the NFL. Um, not just the Super Bowl, but at, at the primetime games and the halftime entertainment there and things like that. And ultimately, the Super Bowl. He is going to be responsible for bringing in the entertainment. So first and foremost, what that means is there's going to be a lot more of us represented in these halftime shows. You won't have a show going to Atlanta and no Atlanta artists are represented. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're, you're going to be guaranteed to have hip-hop culture firmly represented in the NFL with this deal. Oh, Jay-Z's going to bring some people. He's, he's going to have them tone some things down. But I guarantee you, he's gonna bring. He's gonna bring. He's gonna. He's gonna bring that. That that whole that his his kind of flavorous he's vibe. He's going to do it for the culture. No, no, he's gonna do it for Jay Z. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the people who are who who have signed the title and things like that. Yeah, they're gonna get first crack. I guarantee it. Absolutely. Uh, and that's part of what people have the problem with that they think that this is just Jay Z's money grab. Um, but he also uh, has say, I'm not sure if it's control or say, I'm not sure which of the two it is. Mm -hmm. But for, let's say it this way for, for right now for the sake of some kind of accuracy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to have a large say in how the NFL deals and handles a lot of its uh, diversity uh, in terms of uh, its justice performance programs that it contributes to and its charities that it donates to and how it allows uh, the players a voice to be able to protest or speak their mind or whatever. Uh, anybody who follows the NFL, uh, especially over the last couple of years, knows that has been a big issue aside from Colin Kaepernick kneeling. And I'm going to get there in just a second. Um, there have been a lot of things that have been done and said within the NFL that have just been just despicable. Uh, first and foremost, with my favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, and Jerry Jones, who 
has who just uh, showed his whole entire white self, his white privileged self, mm-hmm. um, in that he made statements that uh, his boys are going to have to do what he says. Essentially, was the flavor of what he said, basically letting his team know that they're they're his property and they're going to do what he said. They ain't going to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was the Titans owner, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Titans owner, it was the Texans owner, one of the two. Um, made reference to now the inmates are running the asylum, basically calling all of his black players inmates, jailhouse people. Um, and so there was this whole big conflict about how uh, the players can express themselves and not allowed to kneel. They can kneel. They have to come outside. They don't have to come outside. And all this other garbage. And now there is a centralized kind of uh, voice that helped, that's going to help make sure that the players have a bigger voice. That's part of what his contract is saying, as far as I understand it. So uh, there's that portion of it. And people are upset because he did this without Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Because Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. This is where I want to come in on this argument about. So, my first issue slash question is, why are we always so ready to tear something down that may benefit us before we have given it a chance to see if it's going to succeed or do right? Jay-Z had, had, had basically just signed his name to the contract. Mm-hmm. Ink just starting to dry and everyone already called him a sellout. Everyone already saying it's not going to work. Everyone already saying he's in it for the money and the money only. He doesn't give a crap about black folks. Everyone already saying that he that he's going to never deal with us again. And all this other stuff. Negating every good thing Jay-Z has ever done in front of the scene and behind the scenes. Because he does a whole lot for the quote-unquote culture. Mm-hmm. But he does this. And screw him. Screw everything he's ever done. This, this is a failure. What is it? about us in general that always has this because not even crap in the barrel thing to me because mm-hmm. crap in the barrel would be I'm trying to pull you down so I can get up mm-hmm. who's getting up if we pull down Jay-Z in this who's getting up if we make sure we make sure he fails in this mm-hmm. who's getting up why is it we are always so ready to tear something down before it ever gets a chance to start. I just think the the because of who Roger Goodell is. Is am I am I saying his name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. For the presentation of who he has been and what he has basically essentially for me and and here's me. This is. Look, I am a Bears fan. I've been a Bears fan long before I knew about what goes on behind the scenes of the, of the NFL. Um, do I live and breathe football? No. Um, look, to be honest with you, unless you're giving me tickets to a live game, I'm not going to sit up and watch it unless it's the Super Bowl. Other and she'll fall asleep on that. And I'll fall asleep on that in a heartbeat. I don't even care. Um, so I'm not really invested into it like some football fans are, even like my husband is I'm not invested in one way or the other because I, I have learned it's like it's like when you find out what your favorite food is actually made of 
Once you see the behind the scenes of things, it can completely change your mind about that thing. Um, I, I personally, I, Philanda Wright Jones, so that you don't come at my husband. Know that this is my opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion. And who gonna check me, boo? Uh, my wife, I'll slice your throat. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that. You weren't supposed to say that I felt that in my spirit. I didn't mean to say that loud. I'm sorry, baby. I got me. I got I'm sorry, me. baby. I'm sorry. The way that the whole NFL is set up and what I've learned about the combine, how mm -hmm. they recruit African-Americans, and it's not even African-Americans. It's not even just African-Americans. The way that they treat human beings, period, how they treat these men and basically send them out there like toy soldiers did, plowed down, um, for only so many years of their life and they thought this money and yes yeah, a lot of money but it's a it's a lot of money at that could possibly at the risk of your whole entire life like basically how much is your soul worth like like sure it's millions of dollars on this side but what about the long-term repercussions what about ctes what about domestic violence what about the aaron hernandez's what about all of this stuff that goes on behind the scenes? They don't care about them as people. They're not even people. They're property. And I disdain the NFL for that. And me having my own opinion about Jay-Z uh, joining up with an organization about that, I am on the fence about, if I could just be really honest. Because basically it's a plantation kind of mentality that the NFL is set up at. And I don't believe no man, not no black man, not no white man. I don't believe nobody should be in slavery anymore. We do not live in those times and we should not treat people like property. And NFL still treats people like property. And it's not even just our black players. The white players also treat like property. Because I guarantee you, let what is his name that I try to jinx every year when he plays in the Super Bowl? Um, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Guarantee you, Tom Brady rips something, tears the wrong thing, and can no longer pay again, I bet you don't hear from about Tom Brady no more until Tom Brady does something else. Because he's property. It's just that simple. They're property. So... Hold on a second. <laughs> so, Jay-Z's whole idea, what people thought was going to happen is, is that Jay-Z was going to... The, the immediate assumption was that Jay-Z was black and his... And impoverished as he was, and where he comes from in the streets, and he still don't be offended, Gretchen Pearls. He's still that nigga. As much as y'all think that we that they think that he is that, you're completely thought wrong about how they think about Jay Z. Jay Z has become the first black billionaire, hip hop billionaire. So this means that Jay Z is no longer black. Like we that. live in a very capitalistic society where Oprah is no longer considered black. I don't care what her struggles and what her past was, how she come from the backwoods to somebody's alley to get to where she is today. Nobody ever thinks about that once you hit that B mark. Once you make a billion dollars, you are no longer white, black. You are powerful. At no point has nobody talked to Beyonce and Jay-Z. If you separate their, their assets, mm -hmm. they, they waver about the same amount of money. She is not a billionaire, though. Jay-Z has transcended that, and therefore, he is no longer black. So when, he, when, when the NFL came at him, it wasn't because he was Jay-Z. They don't care nothing about his past. He now has power. His status as a billionaire is a power play. So... 
the NFL benefits from him coming on to him because what they thought was going to happen is all this negative press about people were going to no longer be focused on why Colin Kaepernick kneeled in the first place and people talking about avoiding the uh, boycotting uh, the NFL and the whole thing that happened down here in Atlanta with the Super Bowl and that little cry foul because all these musical artists and talents in history in Atlanta and they go pull Maroon 5 <laughs> something like that they pull somebody like that mm-hmm, it's Maroon 5. Mm-hmm. yeah for the Super Bowl and just avoiding the city that they be in and let's be honest when campaigns uh, when cities campaign to have these Super Bowl events any of these large events like that, it is really because it's supposed to be an economic value to the city. So they, the NFL gets tax cuts and tax breaks, and the cities actually contribute money to them to have these events here. The Super Bowl is business. They don't care nothing about these players. They don't care about your feelings. What they care about is what is profitable for them for the end of the year. Think of it like this. This is their Black Friday sale. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's all about their dollars. So they got some bad PR. They still they still feeling like okay, this 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 Colin Kaepernick thing hasn't gone away. We still getting some bad PR. We are, all these NFL players are not playing. They're not being good little soldiers and, and going out on the field and just playing football and shutting up about this whole race and police brutality thing. They won't shut up. They won't stop kneeling. We need some good PR. We need to show that we are ethnic. Let us show them that we are not the good old boys, country club, cowboy hat wearing, billionaires, we're so far above you that we really are. So this is a PR dream for them. Look, look, see my, here it is, see my black friend. I can't be racist. I have a black friend. He is a partner of ours and he's not even truly even a holistic partner. They have contracted him on. They are paying him X amount of money to do certain things. This is a job at the end of the day for Jay-Z. Which is the thing I was going to say is how is the NFL different from any other job? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I get the plantation reference. I'm one of the, one of the people who, who have talked about that on a very consistent basis, the people who are around me who are sports people. Um because the combine, the way they do it, is almost exactly like they used to do the auction and block back in slavery. Mm-hmm. However, in terms of them actually caring about their employees, mm-hmm. which technically they're not employees, they're contracted workers. Mm-hmm. And having been a contracted worker for 10 plus years for different agencies, I can tell you it's no different. They care about them as much as a temp agency cares about its temps Mm -hmm. as much as any other job cares about its employees. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make money for me, cool. Once you don't, I will replace you. Mm -hmm. So for the NFL to be seen as any different than any other, not just corporation, any other business, Mm -hmm. mom and pop shops, to corporations to global entities no different we care about you as long as you are making us money once you stop making money for us and stop being a value to us Mm -hmm. we will find somebody different i saw a meme on facebook 
couple of years ago that completely changed my perspective as to how I do my job. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been one, I'm going to work as hard as I can the whole nine. Because mm-hmm. I was one, I, I never want anybody to be able to say anything bad about me while I work on my job. Mm-hmm. But, it would all, but I used to always go overboard working. Even if I didn't work more hours, I worked harder while I was there than anybody else. I outwork people on a very regular basis. Mm-hmm. I would work when I'm sick. I would work when I just didn't feel like it. I would, I, I would just do that. And this meme said, while you were yet working yourself to death, mm-hmm. when you die, the job will still be there. And two weeks later, somebody will have your seat. Mm-hmm. And it's something so simple, yet so true. Blew my mind, changed my whole perspective. Mm-hmm. But that's business. Now, the extent of which the NFL covered up CTE, and there's still debate as to whether or not they, how the depth of which they did that or not, yeah, that's despicable. Mm. I make no bones about it. I, there's no defending that. But they're no different outside of, outside of some of those kind of unscrupulous things that other companies are at the unscrupulous things they do. Mm. Again, I've worked temp jobs for, for 10 years. This, when you work, it used to be before Obama came in office, I think it was the second term, whatever it is, when you worked as, as a temp, and they didn't have to offer you even, uh, 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 sub, uh, what's the word? Um, not insurance, but it's the, the kind of insurance that, that supplemental. Supplemental. They don't, even have to, they don't even have to offer you supplemental insurance. Now they have to, at the very least, offer you that. Prior to that, they didn't offer you that. Mm-mm. Most temp agencies to this day, you still don't get holiday pay. You Most temp don't. agencies to this day, you don't get vacation time. Because you're a contracted worker. We're paying you to be in a place. If you're not going to be in that place, we're not going to pay you. The NFL is the same way. We're paying you to be on the field. If you're not going to be on the field, we're not going to pay you. We can stop. We can we can terminate our, our contract with you at any given time. Mm-hmm. If you want to terminate your contract with us, mm-hmm. there is an issue. If I'm working at a job for a temp agency... And the, and the job says we no longer need him, even though I was supposed to be contracted for a year, and they used me for five weeks. That's it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. If they contract me for a year and five weeks in, I say, hey, um, I want I don't want to work here no more. I want to do something else. Or I want more money or whatever. They tell me to kiss their butt. Now, if I do leave, I'm done. Mm-hmm. So no, it's no real different outside of. The process that the NFL goes through that has become more to the forefront and, and more conscious in black folks' minds since social media has, has come into the advent and started making the parallels of it, even though players have been saying it for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get that, but it's no, it's no differently egregious than any other corporation. As far as Jay-Z is concerned, yeah, when you get that billion dollars, <laughs> you a billionaire. They don't care what adjective you want to throw in front of billion as long as you say billion. Mm-hmm. This was absolutely a money move. But my issue is that why can't, why can't we give this money move a chance to possibly help some other folk? Because the thing that I have seen of Jay-Z from afar is that when Jay-Z comes up, he tries to bring some people with him. Mm-hmm. 
He tries to do something for, for those around him and those connected to him and encourages them to do the same. He tries to build, he tries to grow, he tries to make his community and other communities around him better. He tries to do that. I, I will give him that much credit. He does try to do that. So he gets in and has some say. He'll never be an owner. They're not gonna let that happen. But he still has some say in and how some things are run and how they're going to do certain things. Whether I get to be the, oh, you're my black friend or not, somebody gotta be in there. Okay, because think of it like this. Uh, I heard Charlemagne say this all the time, but like with, with the uh, 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 coolest monkey in the jungle. Um, who was it? The, the the company that did that stupid shirt. Um, oh, H&M. H&M. So Charlemagne would, would continue, continually say, you can tell these people had no black folks mm -hmm. in the boardroom helping with this decision. Mm -hmm. Because no black person would have sat by no black person worth of salt would have sat by, saw that on that black kid, and I said, hey, hey, mm. do you not know that this is a bad idea? Even if you want to keep this shirt, if you want to keep this shirt, put them in a white, put a white person on this shirt. Mm. Do not put some black kid in this shirt and put it out there. In America. But because there was none of us in the room, we on the outside had to become reactionary. Colin Kaepernick kneeling, let's put aside what he was kneeling for for a second, mm -hmm. but the effect of, of him kneeling, mm -hmm. we all got had to be on the outside now screaming about it mm -hmm. because nobody was on the inside to say, let him kneel. Mm -hmm. Don't y'all blackball him because of this. This is what's going on. Somebody to bring to the attention. There are, there are absolutely two types of protests. You need the outside protest making the noise, mm -hmm. bringing the attention to, and you need somebody on the inside the protest to make sure that the folk on the outside are safe, that can bring attention to and can help make change. You can scream all you want at Donald Trump, but until we get somebody else in office, mm -hmm. guess what? Right. He do what he want, when he want. We have somebody now in the midst that, can, that seemingly anyway can intervene. Now, how much power he has or doesn't have, how much stroke he has or doesn't have remains to be seen. Mm. But that's my point. Why can't we give that a shot? Right. My other issue is, so people are saying, how dare he take this money from this evil corporation called the NFL when Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job? Okay, so last time I checked, the NFL is 80% black. All of them are getting paid by the same organization. Mm -hmm. The teams are the team owners are making the payments, mm -hmm. but the team owners are the ones who blackball Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. I ain't seen one black player yet say, I'm not gonna take a paycheck until Colin gets a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm not playing till Colin play, till Colin plays. Mm -hmm. Some of these people were close friends of his. Eric Reed, a guy who was fired with Colin for kneeling, mm -hmm. blackballed with Colin for kneeling, got a check, got a call, excuse me, to come back to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Rather than saying, I ain't doing it until you give my boy Colin a job, he went to Colin and said, hey, the NFL um, want me back. Colin was like, go make your money, dog. 
He playing right now. Mm-hmm. He blasted Jay-Z for taking this deal. You are getting a check from the NFL. Mm-hmm. You getting a check from a team that wouldn't even look at him, wouldn't even give him a shot to try out. Mm-hmm. Why are we mad at Jay-Z for this, but not the same people? Who wants it, who want the same the same people of the same complexion and the same background who won't take us, who won't take a, who, who won't, it, I, I pull it to you like this. So let's take, what's the mo- most important time in, in the NFL season? Most important time? Hmm, Super Bowl time, okay. probably. So if you take all of the African-American players during the Super Bowl and they all of them, um, Get what the police like to call is blue flu. <laughs> the day of the Super Bowl, you don't think that makes a statement? Oh, it would, but that money means something, though. I know, and 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 that's why you have to ask whether or not people's morals and their values can be bought, and what price are they willing to pay? But that's why I'm upset. At, why are we upset at Jay Z for taking right. this money? But well, we and we not upset at the NFL players themselves for not taking a stand. And, and, the, and the other side to that is, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, you're fine. Go ahead. And the other side to that is, if, if we could all be honest, for all of this, this conversation, all these protests and all this stuff that has went on regarding Colin Kaepernick, if somebody, if a team was to offer him a job today, would it be to his advantage to even take it? Because, look, I've been, look, I, I've been fired from a job before. Um... And if that some of those jobs that actually came back to me was like, hey, we made a mistake, we'd like to hire you back, I'm not going back. Like, the word hostile environment, work environment exists for a reason. There have been people, whistleblowers, we've seen it in mm-hmm. government, we've seen it in the military, who have said something or been outraged about something, and they've been, um, they've had to pay consequences for what, what, whatever the actions were with that job and have gone back to that job. And look, especially within our military, some people have not made it back home. It happens. I am not finna go back to a, a work environment just to prove a point to a hostile work environment because you got to know that this is not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good because at the end of the day, players don't cut checks. Team owners do. So if they were, they were pressured to give this man a job. You don't think they're gonna make his life a, a living? Um, place with Satan. <laughs> I'll say it for you because you should. It would be a living hell. It sure would. They would. They would make an example out of him. They would put him in. All you need is head coaches to put him in impossible plays, and he really go out there. And they tell you that he thinking like the quarterback is. A, he was a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So you put the quarterback in an impossible position, and then you take away the defensive lineman from him. Offensive and, lineman. I'm sorry, offensive lineman. See, see how much I really pay attention. Uh, you take away the people who are supposed to protect him in the middle of a play, and then you get other people to go out there and assassinate him, basically. And then he could be, he could end up paralyzed for the rest. Not only can he not take a kneel, he's sitting for the rest of his life. It ain't that serious. It's not that serious. And plus, he's already had a public settlement. And how do we know that a part of his settlement agreement is that he actually never takes the field again? Because he, let's not forget, Colin Kaepernick took us paid settlement. Oh, I was giving millions of dollars. From I, the NFL. What, I, how do we know? Because we don't know the, the, the ins and outs of that contract. I'll do you one better. Forget his NFL settlement. Let's toss that to the side. So we go mad at Jay-Z for taking his money, right? Mm-hmm. But we ain't mad at Colin Kaepernick for taking that money from Nike. 
Nike is the number one sponsor of the NFL. Mm -hmm. They pay big money to the NFL and get paid big money by the NFL for their ads, mm -hmm. for their apparel. This is why I challenge you. This is what I do. I challenge you. NFL season starts this Sunday. I challenge you to look on the field and see if you see a pair of Adidas. See if you see a pair of Reebok. A pair of New Balance. See, I challenge you to find a pair. I challenge you to find a jersey with nothing but a Nike swoosh on it. I challenge you. Challenge you to find a coach's hat that's somewhere on it ain't got Nike on it. They are the apparel sponsor of the NFL. So that means they help back the big money that kept Colin from getting a job. Mm -hmm. Colin cuts a deal with that, them. Right. He gets a check now from the same people who getting the check from the NFL. Nobody utters a word. Colin ain't a sellout. Jay-Z gets a check from the same people. He a sellout. How mm -hmm. sway. It makes no sense. And yes, it is absolutely to Colin's advantage not to play. And I'll tell you why. Forget the fact of him getting paralyzed. Because that would make him a martyr. Mm -hmm. if, for people who know, who know football, you would see that, smell that coming a mile away, and I promise you all hell would break loose. Mm -hmm. Here's what really is going to happen. Part of the reason that Colin means anything is because Colin was good. Colin was one of the top, I'd say, top ten quarterbacks in the NFL mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, at the time he got blackballed, he had a down year, had, had gotten injured, came back. He was doing well, still top ten. Mm -hmm. Couple of seasons beforehand, he led a team that shouldn't have gone to one play before to, to uh, one play of the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. losing to Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. Can't 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 be mad at that. His, his mystique of, of, of the player that he is, or was, is why he's relevant. So they chart him out on that field, and they play players to mess up his stuff. Not get him hurt. Mm -hmm. Drop his passes. Mm -hmm. How about you, run, you underrun routes so that he looks like he's throwing bad balls? And now this player who is so good... Now looks so bad in the NFL, those justified teams are justified as to why they didn't sign him. And now the whole thing goes away. Mm -hmm. As long as people think he is who he was, like people still think Michael Jordan can get out on the basketball court and play ball, mm -hmm. as long as that mindset is there, the mystique of him stays, the, the reason why he kneeled still becomes a conversation. Mm -hmm. Put him out there and he sucks, that's it for him. Best thing he can do is stay away. Why are we upset at folks taking the money though? Do y'all mean here's the thing that I wrote down that I found interesting for me anyway? Because I'm gonna give you a harsh truth that y'all don't want to really, y'all really don't want to recognize. Y'all don't want to say this is true, and don't nobody really want to admit this. We all know it, but don't nobody want to admit this. You mad at Jay Z for taking the money, but we all know. Nobody really listens to poor people. Jay-Z taking the money, being a billionaire already, 
taking the money, puts him in a place of influence that him being poor wouldn't do. If we listen to poor people, change would happen a lot quicker than what it already has. Mm -hmm. If we listen to poor people, the disenfranchised, black folks in, in New Orleans wouldn't be as struggling as they still are from Hurricane Katrina. Puerto Rico would have lights and energy and, and, be, and be back to the prominence of, of a wonderful island that it once was. Mm -hmm. Black folks in general would have it better if we listened to poor people. Nobody listens to poor people but poor people. And poor people don't even really listen to poor people. Mm -hmm. only, re only reason you listen to someone who's poor is because you are poorer than them. We don't really, and if you say you do, you lying. You tolerate poor people. And some poor person may say something that sounds really profound and it may stick with you. And yes, that one thing may be something that you listen to. But on a consistent basis, we don't listen to poor people. We step over poor people. We laugh at poor people. We walk away from poor people. We call them smelly. Here's how much we think about poor people. Thanksgiving is coming up, and this is the first time in a long time you're going to start hearing about these food drives for the homeless. Mm -hmm. Like they ain't been hungry all year long. Because the holidays is the only time they get hungry. I'm actually grateful to it, for, to the city of Atlanta. I don't know who initiated this project. I don't know when it's going to get started. I hope it hope it fall, hope it goes through and all things are well with it. But I heard a report uh, about a month or so ago that in the city of Atlanta they are are opening up fifty million dollars to be able to start building homes, housing projects for the homeless, so that they have a place to live. Now, let's hope those places aren't crappy ghettos. Mm -hmm. But the fact that somebody recognized, because here in Atlanta, especially on, on uh, I think it's on 285, there's this underpass under the bridge. Mm -hmm. The amount of homeless people there is crazy. It is insanity. And it's not like a lot of major cities like New York or L.A. where you'll see them walking around. Mm -hmm. They just stay there. Because there, for the most part, is where it's safe. I barely see homeless people with the signs like I'm used to in Columbus here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I barely see them. Unless you pass that underpass, there's a couple other uh, uh, kind of spots where they were, for the most homeless part, they, yes, home, the homeless camps, that's where they're at. They don't really go out too much. They stay in their own little community. Somebody recognized that this is this is a bad thing. Let's let's do something about this. Mm. Outside of that, no, 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 no. Thanksgiving comes, got to go feed the homeless. Christmas comes, got to go feed the homeless. And we don't even do it for them. We do it to make ourselves feel better. Churches have food drives and clothing drives for the homeless right around this time of year to make ourselves feel like Jesus. Other than that, we disregard poor people. So why are you upset at somebody who was poor accumulating some money so you finally listen to what he has to say? Because if Jay-Z was only Sean Carter, you'd never pay attention to him. If Diddy stayed Sean Combs his whole life, you'd never listen to him. Dr. King was not rich and we barely listened to him. You, you want proof of how we listen to him? 
How much brotherly love are we showing within our own community, let alone across racial lines? Ken got assassinated to shut him up. I ain't seen Sean Carter get assassinated yet. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Didn't Ice Cube say after police? Mm-hmm. Ain't he still alive? Yep. Ain't he rich though? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Let your black tail say after police to a police officer. See what happened. This is going to be so horrible, but it's true. Ask Sandra Bland about that. Because she was belligerent to the police officer to pull her over. She ain't here no more. I ain't saying it's her fault. I'm just stating facts. She was having a bad day. She got pulled over. The cop was a, was a butthole. She was belligerent back. And now she ain't here no more. And, and let's be honest. Once again, there's a difference between being rich and there's a difference between and, and being wealthy. Wealthy is completely different. And as soon as we figure that out as, a, as, as, as the people who are not those people, the difference between rich and wealthy um, the better, the better informed you will be. Cause Jay Z ain't rich. Jay Z is wealthy. He's now wealthy. Cause Ti still got pulled over trying to go into his, and he he's rich, and he still got pulled over by the police trying to enter his own community. The same thing happened happened to Dr. Dre, and he he almost was a billionaire, almost, almost. But he still wasn't wealthy enough to get pulled over by the police. And let Jay-Z do something wrong. Let's not act like it can't happen to him. What they'll do is they'll take his money first. Yep. They'll make sure that he did that, that them dollar signs, his that, that and his wealth value come down first. And after yeah. they get done assassinating your character to make your money fall, then they done with you. I'm going to go ahead and say something. This may be my last podcast. The anchor may not let me come back after after I say some stuff I'm going to say. I thought I was going to wait to the next to the next segment. But I'll say something here that, that, off of that that you just said, and that's gonna mess some folk up. I and I'm gonna preface my statement only because I feel like I should have to for my own sake, because I believe I believe my preference, but I also believe what I'm getting ready to say. I believe Bill Cosby is guilty. I believe he did most of everything he is accused of. I do not believe there is a conspiracy against Bill Cosby, although the timing is very very shaky. Both times. Now that's out the way. Check this. You do realize. They did not take Bill. Bill did not go to jail. Until two things happened. They assassinated his character. Completely. Stopped his money. Income coming in. And then they stopped his money. Once his money was done, and if, you, if you're saying, well, how did he stop his money? Well, Bill Cosby, for a long time, was not able to tour. Netflix pulled a special that they was getting ready to do with him. They took back their money they was going ready to give to him. They took both the Different World and the Cosby Show out of syndication, which was a big chunk of a lot of money that he was doing. They stopped his speaking engagements. They pulled his books from the shelves. Bill Cosby had very, very little income left coming in. All he had left was the money he had liquid. And then, with the money he had liquid, he had to keep shelling it out to his attorneys because he had to have a power team to do it. He had to fight cases in three or four different cities at one time. Credibility gone. Now he can't make money. Now we're draining his income. And now, now he's in jail. Bill Cosby at one time, forget what you think about him, Bill Cosby at one time 
was one of the most powerful black men in all of entertainment. Now Bill Cosby is a laughingstock and his money is done. It is very, very hard for Bill to do anything. The money he got is about it. You don't like my, you don't like my example of Bill Cosby? I'm going to go a little worse. Once again, I believe he did everything they say he did. But look at R. Kelly. I believe he is a monster. He should go to jail for the rest of his life. I believe that piece of trash did everything that they say he did. But look at how they went to go get him. They assassinated his character. And this was a decades-long process to get him. It is hard to assassinate the character of somebody who is who talks about sex so freely. It was not hard to believe that R. Kelly is a freak. Oh, okay, whatever. So they had to slowly but surely continue to erode in his character. R. Kelly is doggone near broke. He said it himself. He doggone near broke. So now... He ain't out of jail because he can't afford to cross bail. The brother's gonna be gone. Deserves to be. Just like Cosby deserves to be. But when you accumulate a certain amount of money, this is my point. When you accumulate a certain amount of money, what they do is they assassinate your character, then they go after your money. Jay-Z is at a point in his life, in his financial, fiscal life, where they will have to assassinate his character and go after his money. And if you don't think the assassination of Jay-Z's character has already begun, you're crazy. It started, started, started when he got with Beyonce. People saw this as a power couple long before they ever became one. Mm -hmm. And the first thing people started to say about him was how could she get with this thug. Jay-Z ain't gangbang, sold drugs in decades, but he's still a thug. And they begin to talk about him. Now, continually, his old self is coming up. And the more he is open about who he is and the man he has become, the more they try to remind you the man he was so that when they come for him, it's believable. Even if he goes down for something he actually did, like Cosby and R. Kelly, it'll be easier to take him down because you've already kept this in the forefront of your mind. Mm -hmm. So I personally say, let's enjoy Jay-Z in this position of power for as long as we can. We don't know how long it's going to last. Let's back him and see if he can help make some change like he wants to do. I believe in what he said in his press conference. It's time for action now. We've done the protesting part. Now we have to move to action. Kneeling down as much as attention as it brought to police brutality has not stopped one bullet from hitting one unarmed black person. It didn't stop Tamir Rice from dying. She died, excuse me, 
don't know the name Tamir. Just I apologize to Tamir's family. I, I, I know a couple of female Tamirs, so I apologize. He died after kneeling. Neil had already begun. This young boy dead. After. And I use Tamir because he is one of our most shocking cases. Gone. I don't even know if the family has been able to uh, uh, find closure yet. I don't know if his body has been released to the family. Last time I looked, this was like sometime. Yeah, he's been uh, buried. All I know is last time, last time I had looked, uh, last year sometime, whatever, they were still holding the body. No. And this was long after the, uh, after the officer had been, uh, been determined he wasn't going to stand trial. The whole night, after all that had been, had been done, they still weren't releasing the body. Like, it was, it, it was a big to-do. So all I know is he died after the kneeling. And it was a shocking case. And yet... Kneeling only exposed the fact that it happened. Now we need something to happen to stop it from happening. Now, I'm going to need to correct you just to make sure our facts are correct. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Uh, Tamir Rice was killed in November of 2014. Colin Kaepernick took his first knee in 2016. That is factually incorrect. He was noticed in 2016. Colin been kneeling for quite a while. Colin kneeled for uh, for almost a good year before anybody paid attention to it. Because prior to him kneeling, he was sitting, sat on the bench, and nobody took nobody took notice. And I don't remember it was a preseason game that they started noticing it, and I don't know, recall what the reason was that they started noticing it. And he got asked about it, but he had been kneeling long before that. Him. Um, and there was one other player on his squad that was kneeling with him, and nobody paid attention to it. But even if even if Tamir had happened after, let's say for the sake of argument, I'm, I'm wrong because I can be wrong. This is why this is why I like having somebody else on here while I'm talking because they can fact check some things I'm saying in case I actually am wrong. There have been other deaths since 2016. If we start him in 2016, there's been a bunch of others since 2016. My point is, is that Neely had not stopped that near one of them. We needed the kneel to bring the attention. We got their attention. We have, we know what the kneeling was about. We have fought over whether it's about the military, police brutality, disrespectful. We've already had all them fights. Now we have to get to a point of, now what? And I don't know that Jay-Z is the answer, but I don't know that he's not the answer. I'm willing to give him the shot to see if he can be. Because mm. ain't nobody else that I see doing anything. Nobody else that I know of. I ain't, I'm not going to say nobody else is doing anything. But I will say, I don't see anybody else that I can that I can perceive with my eyes that have hit media that have made an impact that's doing anything. So how about this billion dollar rapper? How about let me give him a shot? And not just for the sake of him. I use that as an example for the rest of other things that happen in our lives. How about sometimes you just give something a shot before you say it's going to fail? How about we do that? How about try it? Let it breathe. 
Let it marinate before you say, this won't work. Some of our greatest triumphs can come if we press through our own mindset that this ain't gonna work. And just give it a minute. Just give it a minute. Okay, anything else? Mm -mm. Cool. We're gonna take a quick break um, and we're gonna come back with our next to last segment. I'm gonna try to roll it all into one. We'll be right back after this word. Are you tired of church as usual? Are you looking for something different? Do you need a real, relevant word that's been captured and will reach you right where you're at? Then High Praise Ministries is the ministry for you. Come fellowship with us every Saturday at 1 p.m. here at 3466 Holcomb Bridge Road in North Ross, Georgia. Here at High Praise Ministries, we believe in bringing forth a real, raw, relevant word to reach you wherever you're at, no matter what you're going through. No judgment, no fuss. We'll have you in and out in an hour and a half of power-packed word and worship. So come, fellowship with us. Come see what the difference is all about. High Praise Ministries Next Level Service. We're the real raw church of purpose, and we are college for your soul. And we back, we back, we back. All right, so we've talked about chicken. We've talked about rappers and kneeling and money. Let's talk about boldness. The other night, I think it actually was what the uh, day came out. Um, wife and I were laying in bed and trying to go to sleep, but couldn't sleep. Turned on Netflix and <coughs> didn't realize that this had had debuted or was debuting that day. And we saw Dave Chappelle's new comedy special. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge comedy fan. All kinds of comedy. I love to laugh, love stand-ups, love it. My wife likes comedy. Not a big comedy fan as I am, but likes comedy. Matter of fact, her exact words were when I hit play, she said, we're going to watch this now. For sure are. Because it was so late at night, you had to go to work. I didn't care. I had to see it. If I had not seen it, <laughs> had not seen that was on, I would I would have watched something for about a half an hour when I went to sleep. I saw this, I said, I got to see this. Because I knew it was going to be good. Dave Chappelle is one of the all-time greats. And if you heard the interview uh, that my wife did with me, you know he's on Mount Rushmore. Dave Chappelle, one of the all-time greats. And if you know anything about Dave Chappelle, and you know his style of comedy, you know he is generally very controversial. He says some non-politically correct things. Always has. The Chappelle show, which everybody lauds him for, his <laughs> first segment on his first show was about the black white supremacist Clayton Bigsby that's how he started his entrance into his new show on Comedy Central everything about that show is politically incorrect everything about that show is hilarious 
But everything about this show also had a point. All of the specials, from Killing Me Softly to uh, his latest one, he just did, I can't remember the name of it. It's like Sticks and Stones. Thank you. Um, they all have a point. Every one of them. He is a controversial thought provoker. He wants to get a conversation started. And I don't even know if he necessarily wants to get a conversation started as much as he wants to get a conversation off his chest. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many mixed opinions about this. I told my wife when I told her we were going to record today. I asked her about talking about this because I can't escape it. Everywhere I look, there's some opinions on it and people are fussing about it. They didn't like this. They were offended by that. And he said this. And, oh, this was hilarious. And this was uncalled for. And all this other stuff. And it got me to thinking. It got me to thinking in terms of Christianity. And in terms of our leaders. Under the, under the arc of Christianity. And I started wondering why is it that it seems like comedians from from Dave Chappelle to Chris Rock and back in the day George Carlin before he passed and Richard Pryor before he passed and Eddie Murphy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why is a comedian seem to be the only ones left who are bold enough to speak their truth and don't care about the consequence. Don't care about what people think. Don't care about how they're received after they say it. There's something that they feel, they think, they understand, they saw, that they have to express. And you can like it or not, you're not going to silence them from expressing it. Dave Chappelle's special was quite possibly one of the best specials I have seen in my lifetime. And I have seen a ton of them. It is up there with some of my favorites of all time. The content of that special was so politically incorrect. But at the same time was full of a lot of nuggets of truth if you investigate our own selves. And get past your offense. Some of the things that people were offended by. Were his comments concerning the LGBTQ community. And all he did was an assessment of how he sees they interact with each other. I don't know how many LGBTQ community members you know. But I've known some. And I know my wife has known some. And... We're kind of in the mecca of it now down here in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, not, there's not a lot of falsehood in anything he said concerning how they interact with each other. They have a segment or segments of their own community that are ostracized. That they really are not cool with. A lot of homosexuals don't like trans people. 
They think of them as the freaks and the whole nine of Dave Chappelle just outlined that in a humorous way and that that's offensive. Mm. Even though it was a trans person he she talked about if you listen to the to to the entirety of the set, he talked about a trans person who said that that joke that his jokes were hilarious to the to the trans person and they found nothing offensive about it. As a matter of fact, the trans jokes the trans person laughed the hardest at. And had to sit down conversation about it. And and it baffles me that this man could stand there with such conviction, say what he thought was his truth, not believing that the, that Michael Jackson did the things that were said about him. The statements he made concerning this cancel culture that we now have and that we now exist in, and all the other things that he said, whether you agree with them or not, it's not my point. He stood there with such boldness and conviction. And yet, for the rest of us, we stand with such bended backs and bended knees. When's the last time you said something you really felt regardless of how people were going to receive it. When's the last time? And I'm not talking about necessarily something so brutally offensive, although I'm going to be honest for it with you. I'm that dude. I, have, I am blindly for free speech. I say this all the time. I believe a person should have the ability to say whatever horrific thing they want to say. But I also am very much so in favor of freedom of consequence. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, the back and forth that I listened to, uh, it's the one that I cut off after being got this in the whole one. They, they made a statement. They were saying, well, uh, him doing what he does is like white people wanting to say the N-word. Why would you want to say the N-word? Just, there's no point in wanting to say it. I, I live by a model of, I think why people should be able to say the N-word. I do. Say it. I believe the first time that I hear you say it, I should believe I should be able to punch you dead in the mouth. But that's the consequence, though. Mm -hmm. Like, Newton, uh, Newton, Einstein said, for every action, there's an equal and opposite Reaction. Mm -hmm. So, you saying the N-word is the action. Me knocking you smooth out is the opposite and equal reaction. What we have done is we have stopped reaction. And here's the problem with that. When you make a person hide who they are, it festers, and when it comes out, it comes out in just horrific ways. You don't believe me? Cool. Go back in time just a few short years ago and look at the guy, the little boy, the grown, sorry, he wasn't a little boy. He was 20-something years old. The boy who, who shot up the, the church in South Carolina. No, Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof. 
That's how it comes out when you're made to hide who you are. But now watch this now. Um, I don't remember how many years ago it was. All I know is there was a story on Facebook. There was a true story. Little boy was getting bullied in school. And everybody came to his defense. Little white boy. Everybody was coming to his defense. How terrible this is. School should do something about it. And then it came out. He's calling people niggers. And the bullying he was getting was the butt kickings he was getting for mm-hmm. saying nigger. Mm-hmm. Now, you can chalk that up to, oh, that's how he was raised or what have you, but here's what I say to you. That little boy who said nigger and got his butt kicked for saying nigger is going to grow up into a young man who would never say it. The consequence of getting punched in the mouth will be with him always. My dad used to say, pain's a good reminder of what not to do. Why have we lost the art of being ourselves? What is life if you can't be who you you are? I'm a Christian pastor. I don't care if you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, queer, or other. I don't care that you want to identify yourself as gender fluid or or whatever you want to self-identify. I really don't. Speak what you believe to be your truth. But at the same time, you should speak what you believe to be your truth. I should be able to speak the word of God as truth. I should be able to say that I believe what the Bible says. That homosexuality and all those things that go along with it are sin. And the only way to combat sin is with the blood of Jesus Christ. I should be able to say that. That's what I believe is true. Why is your truth more important than my truth? It's not hate speech. I didn't say I hate you. I didn't call you a name. All I said was, according to what I believe, this is where you end up. And this is the only way to avoid that consequence. Consequence for your actions. Why is the comedians the only ones allowed to say it? What happened to us? We're supposed to be the ones with the boldness, Holy Ghost boldness, stand flat-footed and firm and proclaim the word of God. Cry loud and spare not. And let's remove it from, the, from, from Christianity for a second. We, in general, as people don't really say what we want to say, how we feel. We hide how we feel from our friends. Friends, family members, loving spouses. We just hide it. Why are we so afraid to be ourselves? What happened? I mean, I think that, that I, 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 and I understand where some people struggle with that fine line between, because everything that come out of your mouth don't need to. Hold on. Like, just because you thought it in your head, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, don't necessarily mean that it needs to be projected on other people. But who determines that? 
I mean, you should be able to determine that. Like, what is the good of you saying things just to be saying things? Just because you can. It, it, once again, I have to reflect back to neon, green, spandex, fishnet, catsuits. Just because they make it in your size doesn't mean that everybody needs to be wearing that. You as a guy. I don't want to see you in a neon green cat. <laughs> you better not. Yeah, <laughs> fishnet cat suit. Just because they make it for you, and we just saw in the picture I just showed you of E.J. Johnson that yeah, they go of course they make it great, no problem. Doesn't mean I want to see you in it. Doesn't mean that you need to show me you in it. But that's that's the point that I'm making. The the the, the last half of that statement is the point that I'm making. Mm -hmm. You said that you don't want to see me in it. Mm -hmm. But what if I want to see me in it? Okay, then you show For you the record, it. I don't. But. <laughs> you show you it, and you don't need to show me it. No, no. If I want to be in it, and I walk down the street, mm. you don't have to stare. But unfortunately, I do have to see. No. Turn around. Close your eyes. Go the other way. Look up in the sky. I mean, you as a person, not you as my wife, because if you my wife, yeah, you'd have to see because we in the same house. But you should, the, the, that, that's the me you marry. You should know that beforehand. The, the, the issue is, oh, is that. You should show Look, that, if you walking around here in neon casting, <laughs> casting yeah, you should have showed me that in the beginning. Yeah, because we probably wouldn't be married. <laughs> the, 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 my, my issue is that we have come to a place, and I can't even say we've come to a place because I'll be honest. In the 38 years I've been alive, I don't recall it ever not being this way. It's just gotten worse. Mm -hmm. But we push what we feel is acceptable mm -hmm. on other people and make them have to feel like they have to feel this acceptable. Okay, so R. Kelly feels like it's acceptable for him to like teenage girls. And it should be acceptable to beat the fool out of them. Action, consequence. Mm. Like, I'm not for him doing it. Do it around me, and I'm going to knock you out. Mm -hmm. Action, consequence. You can be free, and, and there's a difference between the speech and being bold and being who you are, mm -hmm. and the action of who I am. So R. Kelly is a, is a completely different story because... He may feel this acceptable, mm -hmm. but the children he's doing it to don't. Mm -hmm. So that's still him now forcing who he is and believes on them. For as many girls, they, they are not old enough to make that make decision for themselves. They are not old enough to make that decision mm -hmm. for themselves. And I think that's the fine line we walk into. I don't, I don't see that's a fine line. I, th I think oh, that's I, a gator. How old is 15? I, 13 was 13 or 15. Uh, that, that's, that's actually a joke that Dave Chappelle said. How old is 15 really? Mm. Where on one hand, they're not old enough to consent to sex, to be mature enough to think about whether or not they want to have consent to sex. And on the other hand, they're mature enough to plot out murder. A black boy went to jail for, uh, a, it was tried as an adult. I don't remember how long he was sentenced to, mm. but was tried as an adult at 15 years old for murdering, I believe it was his neighbor's uh, the, the neighbor's daughter for performing wrestling moves on her. They were wrestling. He did a wrestling move on her. She died. Mm -hmm. He gets tried as an adult for murder. Meanwhile, a 15-year-old is not old enough to, to consent to sex. 
I, that's that's what that's the joke that Dave Chappelle said, which started provoking thought. My 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 point in that is is that because we have we have as a society said that and and uh, modern medicine has also kind of backed it up that the human brain is not developed enough to make to be responsible for certain decision making. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what they did to prove it. I don't know if that's what they went into in their studies and this is going to be the case if we're going to prove that this is the truth or not. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know the backstory behind none of that. Mm-hmm. But because that's what, that's what has been decided, cool. Because in truth, they're not old enough to decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also shouldn't be tried as an adult. That's a whole other issue. So he as an adult bringing it to a child mm-hmm. and the parents don't consent, child don't consent. If the parents consent, now here's where folk ain't gonna like me. If the parents consent, child consent, or he consents, y'all shut your mouths. It's disgusting. It should not be. But all three parties in in in, the, in that situation are okay. Who he is is not now being forced. But it should not be coerced. Meaning, don't pay these parents off like he did to say you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. it it's okay. So I have the same kind of disdain hearing about R. Kelly that I did hearing about Sean Combs dating Laurie Harvey. Mm-hmm. That man is 20 something years older than her. Mm-hmm. If I was Steve, and I ain't judging Steve's life. But if I was Steve, as soon as I heard about it, we wouldn't have been in wherever they were when they was caught in that picture, having that family dinner, talking about it. Yeah. Y'all saw me on the 6 o'clock news on TMZ because I didn't stab Sean Combs in the face. I cut his throat out and chopped him up bit by bit. You are a grown, overgrown man. Your oldest child is older than my daughter. I'll kill you. Let Ashley come to me with a 40-something-year-old man right now. No, that's not going to be good. She's 23 years old. I, I promise you I'm going to jail. Ashley, if you hear this right now, if you hear this podcast and I find out you mess with a 23-year-old man... I'm going to jail, but he gonna be dead. So I had the same kind of disdain. My point is that we're saying that what a person thinks doesn't necessarily need to be said, but my point is is that who is dictating that? And why can't we be bold enough to say what we feel, what we think? And it just be what a person feels or thinks. And if there are consequences to what you have to say, and you was bold enough to say it, deal with them consequences. Mm -hmm. Chappelle stood on the stage, said what he had to say, and dared people to come at him. His second joke in crapped on the entire audience and still said, come at me, bro. 
yet I can't talk about Jesus freely? I mean, I can compare to other countries, but I have to water him down? Or I don't like, I'll use me as a personal example for that one, I don't like thank you and I got to be clowned and cussed out because I don't like thank you? When did we stop being allowed to be ourselves? When did not being who you are become acceptable? Aren't we the people who used to teach or be taught because we were kids when it was taught to us, be yourself? Didn't there used to be a whole TV campaign surrounded by be yourself, be you? Now people are being them, or they wanted to, and we didn't jacked it up because now we've gotten to a place where everybody wants to be an Instagram model and they're killing themselves doing it. Not because they want to, but that's how everybody needs to be. Social hermits with thousands of, of social media friends can't walk outside and say hi to an actual person in life because they're afraid nobody will accept them. They've created a persona online. Why? When did this become who we're supposed to be? When did this become what we wanted? We have to disagree, or we have, excuse me, we have to agree with everything. Y'all have heard me and my wife go back and forth on different topics on just this podcast alone, this episode alone, let alone the entirety of the time she and I have been doing this together. Do you understand how boring this would be if we agreed on everything? First of all, my wife being her, she would let me do all the talking if we agreed on everything. Because I talk. And she would just let me talk. See, I would have to hear my voice for a long time. Y'all know that, let's be real, y'all know them first two podcast episodes were, well, they was a little dry because it was just me. This has been a lot better since my wife has come along. I even enjoy it more since she's come along. It brings something. It brings a different of mindset, a different of opinion. We go away, or I don't know if she goes away, but I go away thinking about it, thinking about things that she said where we have disagreed. And it's given me insight. It's given me time to look at things differently, give a new perspective of maybe even change my mindset, maybe even show me something different to, to make me better that I didn't know before. You don't get that when you don't get to be you. You kill a person's experience when you don't let them be you. And if you kill a person's experience, ultimately you kill them. If you are the sum total of your experiences and you never get to express your experiences or what you've gained from that experience, ultimately you're dying. Experiences, thought is meant to be passed on, meant to be challenged, meant to be matured. We don't do that. 
And I would just like to know why. I know I'm not going to get an answer on this podcast. First of all, because I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to my wife and this phone as it's recording my voice. And some of y'all are going to hear it. And you're just going to hear it and listen to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that's true, or mm-hmm, I don't agree with that, mm-mm, nope, don't agree with that, and there will be no real dialogue, but I hope this provokes some kind of thought to you, because ultimately, I want you to be able to be you. It's the thing I have constantly told my wife in ministry all the time. Be you. I didn't marry you to be like everyone else. Married you to be you. That is an interesting thought. What's that? We have that conversation offline. What's that? What's an interesting thought? Be you. And yet, you keep trying to force me to do things that I don't want to do. No, I still want you to be you. And it's not trying to force you to do what you don't want to do. But there's also a process to get you where you said you wanted to be. And in order to, in order for anyone to get to where they want to be, you have to go through a process. And if that process is not gathered or gone through, you'll never get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to go through the uncomfortable to get there. That's not not that's not diminishing you when you go through that uncomfort, that discomfort. That what that does is it should help expand you as you go through it. Because when you go through the uncomfortable, oftentimes you learn more about yourself than you ever did before. It's the saying that I, that I use all the time, even at work. You learn more through defeat or failure than you ever will through victory. Victory just simply confirms your strengths. But what if your learning experience has no, no bearing on where you want to be? Then you've just experienced, you've just went through something just because. Then the word would be inconsistent. Or better yet, the word would be a lie. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are excuse me, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in their way. Mm-hmm. So every step you take has purpose. Every step you take builds. Moses would have never thought that being uh, being raised in Pharaoh's palace mm-hmm. would have garnered him with the skill and the ability not only to lead billions of people out of Egypt but to be able before then to come back and confront Pharaoh and not be ashamed and not be scared where other people would have walked into Pharaoh's palace and saw all that he had saw who he was heard that authority be like oh man I don't know if I can do this he walked in since I've been here before man I used to play right over there just don't bother it's like when you go back to Chicago there are areas in Chicago that you can go to that you ain't sweating you know the area you know what to expect you take somebody somebody there who ain't never been, they may they may hear something pop up. Oh my God, what the heck is that? What's going on? You ain't sweating it because you've been there. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes our experiences, we don't understand what is go- how it contributes to getting us to where we're trying to get to until we get there. But yet it does. And so what happens and what generally needs to happen in all of our lives is somebody has to take us along the way. I can't think of one biblical character off the top of my head aside from Adam who at some point didn't have somebody guiding him along the way or guiding her along the way to get to where they needed to get to. Mm -hmm. Adam didn't have it and look what happened to him. 
he caused all of this. Everyone else had someone teaching, training, guiding, moving, pushing, whatever along the way. Oftentimes into the uncomfortable. It's still you be you because in whatever you're still supposed to shine through. Who you are. The you that is you. Always should shine through. It should never be you go through it and try to be anyone else. Or feel stifled in any way. Be you. Whether it's you being you or, or whomever being them. It is as essential to the process as the pathway that we take. Imagine I try to go through what I'm going through and do what I'm doing. And I'm trying to be T.D. Jakes. Better yet, imagine I'm trying to be married to you and I'm Mel Griffin. That wouldn't work. I got to be me. You got to be you. And that doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything. No, I mean, I'm going to agree with everything. And that's, that's, but that's the point. You should be able to say, I don't agree. And I don't agree because. And that be heard because you're you. That's a lost thing. Just in life in general. People don't get to be themselves and learn the process. People don't get to be themselves and voice. People don't even get to be themselves and make mistakes anymore. I forget who I heard say it long or back when uh, uh, they were they were tripping on Kevin Hart for his 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 what they what they call homophobic comments fifteen years ago. And can I say side note? Please stop calling stuff homophobic. The word phobic comes from phobia which means fear doesn't mean hatred please if you're trying to say somebody has a hatred of homosexuals please find the an actual word that means that fear and hatred are not synonymous anyhow he made statements that that were that uh had it sound like he hated homosexuals and that whole thing and he had grown past that he had done a ton of different things in a ton of different areas or what have you. He owned what he said way back and been apologized for it and it kept bringing it back up and I heard somebody say, whatever happened to, I made a mistake. Oops, I made a mistake. And you learn from it, you grow past it, keep moving forward. We can't do that. We have to now be in this such protected bubble of perfection false perfection or false us so that everybody likes us nobody says anything bad about us so we don't say nothing bad about anybody else we all have one linear train of thought and that's what we all do whether we like it or not and that's what it is and most people are miserable depression Super high. I don't know statistics of it. I don't know if it's higher than it's ever been or not. I just know that it does feel that way. I swear I hear more people talking about depression nowadays than I've ever heard in my life. 
people don't get to be that. You suppress who you are, you become miserable. Because who you are wants to come out. Who you are wants to grow, wants a chance to live and experience and be. Why is it we're penalizing people for that now? That's all I'm wondering. Why is that the thing that we do now? When did speaking your truth become controversial? When did speaking your truth become a threat? When people started abusing it. Elaborate on that. Uh, take how they used to go in the office. Oh, look at the nice rack on her. She could have a nice rack. You could like it. But is that okay to say in this day and era while persons at work? No. I think we still have a disconnect in what I mean, though, because that still becomes something that is vehemently there, infringing upon you. The, the line is so thin between what, what we need to be cautious about saying, us speaking our truth, um, the, 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 the area where it becomes an issue for someone else mm -hmm. or it's an infringement on someone else's liberty because the line is so thin, there has to be some boundaries. I'm not against boundaries. I'm against total suppression. Mm -hmm. which is what it sounds like we're moving towards. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example from a comics perspective. Mm -hmm. right? Comedians Up has a room full of 400 people. Mm -hmm. Tells a joke. 399 people laugh. Mm -hmm. One person's offended. Mm -hmm. That person feels like their offense trumps the 300 and... or actually counting the comedian... 400 other people in that room. So the one woman that walked out of Dave Chappelle? No problem with the walk out. The issue I had with it was why did you feel the need to scream out to him in the middle of his show while you walk out? Mm -hmm. You can be offended because that's you. Be you, be offended. But why does your offense have to stop me? Mm-hmm. You're offended, cool, get up and walk out. If I'm offended, cool, I get up and walk out. No problem. You're allowed to be offended. And for, for most comedians, including the Dave Chappelle or whatever, they oftentimes do meet and greets after their show. Have a conversation with, a lot of comments talk about the conversations they've had with, with people uh, uh, at their shows afterwards. Have a conversation with them. Tell them you were offended and tell them why and have a dialogue with them. But you feel that you feel that you're offend that everybody has to be offended because you're offended. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. The 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 I now have to walk on eggshells so that no one else ever is offended. Knowing that as a Christian, the Bible says we ought not to offend the brother. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between me intentionally offending you mm -hmm. and me simply telling my truth and you becoming offended by it. Because if I was, suppo if I was supposed to uh, try not to offend the brethren as a whole, 
Mm-hmm. I'd never teach the word of God. Mm-hmm. The Bible in itself is offensive. Mm-hmm. Teaching salvation is offensive. So I can't teach salvation no more. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's not how we ought to live. We ought to be able to make that mistake. Even the person who walks in the office says, Ooh, you got a nice rent. Oh, excuse me, sir. That is not acceptable to say to me. This is a professional environment. You should not be, you should not talk to me like that. I should not have to put up with your abusive language. And because it's now corrected, mm-hmm. he now learns. What oftentimes happens with suppression is you stop the learning process. Mm-hmm. People no longer can learn, and because people no longer can learn, they no longer can grow. And they wind up getting to a place where they now just don't care. And now what the what they could have learned and grown past becomes something that becomes so venomous now that everybody has to become affected by it. Mm-hmm. Like Harvey Weinstein, like uh, uh, Dylan Roof, mm-hmm. like Adolf Hitler, etc., etc. These people who were suppressed mm-hmm. and they got to a point where they had the ability now to simply say, I'm not going to be suppressed anymore. Mm-hmm. As opposed to learning from it. Learning from the mistake. We're supposed to make the mistake. And I'm not saying everything is a mistake that you're supposed to make. Mm-hmm. But we never allow anybody anymore to make any mistakes. We never allow anybody to be themselves and to make a mistake to mature and grow from it. Mm-hmm. And then we become such a society where now we question everybody's growth. Somebody apologizes. Oh, I wonder what their motive was behind that. They didn't really mean that. They just did that because there was public pressure. Or they just did that because they didn't want their brand to be messed up. Or they just did that because they wanted to get elected. Or whatever the case may be. And why not just take it at face value? You don't, we don't know the mindset of the people when they apologize or when they say what they say. So take it at the face value. If you tell me you didn't mean to offend me with something that you say, I have to take it at face value. Your intent was not to offend me. But at the same time, I have to take it that your intent was not to offend me. You also have to deal with the reality that the result is I still was offended. So now we both have something to deal with. Mm-hmm. I have to understand and accept you didn't mean to offend me. This was not malicious. So I should dial my vitriol at you. You have to understand that you the result of whatever it is you said did offend me. So now you have to up your sensitivity, learn how to be more sensitive, and apologize genuinely, or make amends for it genuinely. All of that seems to have been stopped, because nobody's allowed to say anything anymore. That's how it feels, I mean, unless you're Donald Trump, but other than that, nobody seems to really be allowed to say anything anymore. Be who they are. Matter of fact, a lot of people, they were allowed to be who they were, would have never gotten to the positions of power they got to if they were allowed to be who they are. We'd have seen that crap coming a mile away. That one, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to deal with that. That's all I'm saying. I just, I, I just really would like to get to a place where people were allowed to be them. The greatest way that God is able to move is when a person is able to be them. 
Because when you are truly authentically you, God can then truly show you who you actually are and help you become who he created you to be. But we lie to ourselves. We lie to other people. And ultimately we lie to God. And so we can't really be used like we should be. It can't get to where we ultimately should get because we never really admit who we are. And I find that is an issue. And I found this, the, the whole backlash about Chappelle interesting because for Chappelle, it's not like he's changed. The same type of offensive stuff he has said for years, he said in this special. The interesting note is, for me anyway, was one of the points that he made in a special where he said that the trans person he was speaking with after his show mm -hmm. said, why is it that people said you normalized R. Kelly because of your jokes? Mm -hmm but they never will say you normalize us because of your jokes. Between that and him, and him making the point that it is more offensive to say a homophobic slur on television mm -hmm. than it ever is to say nigger. You can say that on television shows on prime time all across the country. But you drop that maggot that starts with an F instead of an M, you're done. And I don't necessarily think either should be said on television. But either that there be equal weight or nobody says anything. Actually, either way would be equal weight. Either we can say them both or not say them both. Because you say the first word, a censor will bleep you. You say nigga, you can get away with it. No censor bleeps. So I found those things interesting. And he's catching all kinds of hell for it. And I just wonder when will, one, Christian leaders get to the point where they're catching hell as a whole, because there are some. Mm -hmm. That's just probably a, a huge pack that are speaking their truth according to the word of God, saying flat-footed, being bold, proclaiming the word of God. But I mean as a whole. We have that kind of conviction and courage. To do that, no matter the cost. And then people as a whole not only have the grace enough to allow others to be themselves, mm -hmm. but have a boldness enough for they themselves to be themselves. That would mean the world. At least to me. So I'm going to end this up with a, because with a, this has been a very melancholy episode. So I'm going to end up with a little more melancholy. This Real Talk venture I'm going to call Real Talk Honesty. I'm calling this first, this first one's the either or portion of it. I got three of these, and I don't know if we're going to get to all three. There are 
Yeah, there's three plus a real talk inspiration. I don't know how I'm ever going to get you. I know I want to do the first one. No, I'm sorry. Two and the inspiration. We may only get to the first one. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the either or. Would you rather be loved and admired but could never really be you? Or be hated but stress-free because you are you even though people hate you? Say it again. Would you rather be loved and admired, mm -hmm. but never really your true self? Mm -hmm. Or hated, but you're stress-free because you are authentically your true self, even though people don't like your, your true self? Mm. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, hated? I, no one truly ever wants to be hated. Um, so I, I would have to go with the hate because at least I won't have to be stressed out about it I mean because to be honest with you long after I'm gone without the ability to care about people there will be some people who still will hate me so whatever um, so yeah I guess go with that would you rather be always hungry or always thirsty um, aren't you answering these questions? I am. Uh, I guess always hungry. So for the first question, I'd, I'd probably obviously rather be, be hated and stress-free. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like a whole lot of folks like me now. Mm -hmm. I, I know what I would have to do to get people to like me, and I'm not willing to do that. Mm -hmm. It would stress me out way too much to try. Mm -hmm. So I say bring on the hate, no stress. It's not, it wouldn't be too much different than my life now. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be always hungry because I drink more than I eat now. Mm -hmm. And the feeling, of, especially being one who, who used to fast a lot, um, the feeling of dry cotton mouth, mm -hmm. so much worse than an angry, hungry stomach. Mm. Like hunger pains are real. They hurt. But cotton mouth sucks. Because after a while, you, you're thirsty and you're, even your saliva tastes like air and dust. It's disgusting. Gotcha. So I would definitely rather be always hungry. And here's how we're going to close this out. I'm a, I've called this Real Talk Inspiration. Everything got to have Real Talk in front of it. Mm -hmm. What would you like your legacy to be? We talked about legacy a few weeks back. What would you like your legacy to be? When you're finally out. All the processional's done and the funeral that Ashley's gonna have, even though you told her not to have one, no, it's I gonna said, happen. No, no, I told her to have a funeral. I said not a burial. I need to be cremated and I need there to be a party. Anyway. Um, 
that I'm there for my family. I've seen a lot. There, there's been a lot of abandonment mm-hmm. in our family, mm-hmm. and I don't want that to be my legacy. So that is important to me. That 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 carries much weight with me. So that that was good, mom. And I did, I did everything in my willpower to make sure that I didn't leave this earth crappy, with bringing into another crappy person into this world. Um, yeah, it's it's more important that I it it is is way less important to me that everyone know me than it is for the people who are my family, my real family, to know that I love them and I cared about them genuinely. That's way more important to me. Like if I leave this earth and, and people go, who? Or they mistake me for that other Philander right that lives out there, the one that does horrible things. Because <laughs> there's someone else with my name that does horrible things. Stop doing that. Um, that it, but it's, it's way more important that, that that I leave behind the memories and the legacies and that I reside positively in the people who are important to me, mind and in their spirit, that I have a positive effect on them, to not leave people trashed in this world. I think so often it's people that we leave people worse off than, than we found them and we're starting to do this at a very rapid rate. So we've gotten to the point where it's more important um, what people think about us and Instagram models and butt shots and then the content of our character, like the content of our character. So the people who really matter, not to everyone, because everyone's opinion about you doesn't matter. Everyone is always going to have a varying opinion about you because I don't believe people can truly ever get to know, everybody can get to know one person. They're probably fastest in, uh, of, of Barack Obama's life that we would just be disgusted by if we really got to know him. Martin Luther King Jr., for all of his great works, to hear, for people to find out that he had cheated on his wife, which so common men do, uh, to find out that, that one thing could have really tanked his whole entire legacy. So there's always going to be aspects of people that people don't know. And it's not that I try to hide myself from you, the listeners and the viewers and the people that are around us. It's not that it's that I'm trying to hide myself from you. Just you don't need to know it. It's not important to you. It's not a value. If it is a value to you, then I'm going to give it to you. And it's not a value to you, and it ain't none of your business. It's just that it's just that simple for me. So when it comes to stuff like that, when it comes to my legacy, more importantly, like it is to the day I take my last breath, that I, for the people who are important to me, they got me and all of me as much as I can give them of me. That's important to me. Well said. For me, what I would like for my legacy to be um, is simply that when the chips are counted, more positive than negative was done by me to affect a person's life. 
I want to leave out of here with whomever it is that I came in contact with and I've touched. Much like you, I don't care if they know my name. But I do care that overall it was a positive experience or it added to their life more than took away. Um, I, I And I struggle with that because of who I am and how I am. I'm a harsh person. Uh, but I always endeavor that people are better. And I've even tried to do that sometimes even to my own detriment. But it's because I want people whomever I come in contact with to be better. Just be better. I want my family to know that they were loved and I want people to be better. Like that's literally, if I have to have a tombstone, something that I wouldn't mind being put on there. Mm-hmm. Birthday, end date, endeavor to love his family, endeavor to make people better. That's what I would like for my legacy to be. Like beyond everything else, when when these forms are no longer able to be played, kind of like a VHS tape or an 8-track tape, mm-hmm. um, the, the YouTube videos and the services are no longer able to be played and all the cliches and crazy, funny, and crazy, horrible things that I've said or whatever are done. Ultimately, I want people to be able to say they're better. Ultimately, I want my family to be able to say they know I love them. One last thing, as I was thinking about it. I want to do the mama call and die empty. I really want to die empty. Having given everything my all. Given our marriage, our family. Given the ministry. Given it my I go out having burnt the candle at both ends it's because I want to give it my all. Yeah. I think that's what I want. I think that's the legacy that I want to leave. That's what I'm striving to. To love, make people better. And die empty. And I'll leave this with you all as we close on this unintentionally melancholy. I, this took a, a, whole, a whole different direction I thought I was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what I want to leave with you all. Give it everything you got. Don't know how much longer you have left. Give it everything you got. Everything you got. Never get to a place in your life where the two most haunted words that can be in a person's mind can be 
what if? If you have the chance to give something your all, you have the chance to help somebody be better. You have the chance to make sure your family knows they love you. Do it. Give it everything you got. This has been an episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed. Hope it's been thought-provoking. Huh. Hope it's been something for you. It's a Real Talk Podcast. Keep it real. This is Real Talk. Real Talk Radio. This is Real Talk. High Praise Ministries presents Real Talk. Real Talk. This is Real Talk. Real Talk Radio. This is Real Talk. High Praise Ministries presents Real Talk. Real Talk.